This is episode 39 of the No Limits podcast. Thank you for being here. There's certain things that when we started Revelation Outdoors that we did not foresee, we did not plan, um, and, and a lot of them were just really, really good. Um, but one of the things that has just, like, just been crazy is when the Texas A&M some guys from Texas A&M said, Hey, we want to, we want to start a men's group and we want to use the revelation outdoors name, uh, because it's kind of familiar. Um, do you have a problem with that? And I'm like, no, um, I think that's awesome. And little did I know how much that kind of vertical from revelation outdoors would, would just take off. And skyrocket. I, I'm still, I'm still kind of surprised <laughs> by it. Um, but there's been so many good things that have come out of that. So many good relationships that have come out of that. Um, and one of the things that really caught my eye as someone who was learning to really appreciate creativity was the skill um, of the videos that they were putting out to really push uh, membership in the Revelation Outdoors Texas A&M chapter. And it stuck out to me because the, the style and the colors and the composition of the videos, um, the, even the soundtracks were like, felt super, super familiar to me. Um, and Cole Rickerson is the gentleman that's responsible for that. Now, Cole has come, uh, I think, full circle and just exceeded where he started. It's like crazy. Um, but he started an outdoor production company called Going Native. And if you haven't seen it on the gram, uh, I think you should pull it up and look at it because it's some of the most fresh, um, just really, I, I want to call it cerebral, but it's, it's really earthy and it has an ethos about it and it's very dreamy. Um, and it's just all of the things that we we're striving to do with passion and pursuit. I mean, it was like hand in glove and I'm like that. This is just, this is crazy. So, um, that coupled with Cole was one of the just driving forces, uh, spiritually behind that Texas A&M chapter. Um, and so, you know, the, 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 the driving force has, uh, has a voice, um, and it has a place and it's just, it's the, I think it's the rock that everything is, uh, everything is just anchored to. Right. And so after Cole graduated and started going native, 
uh, I really started to notice just the quality of his work. He's, he was just dialed in to just about everything that I saw. Um, and he is one of the strongest, most vocal um, believers that I've ever had the honor of meeting. And so it was a no-brainer that we were going to get Cole on the podcast. Um, and it looks like tonight is that night because Cole Rickerson is here on the podcast. And we're we're very, very, like, I'm so excited for this episode. I can't tell you. And so, Cole, thanks for coming Thanks for uh, stopping in, man. We we're so glad that you're here, bro. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. It's been kind of a long time coming, honestly. I've been wanting to do this podcast for a long time too. <laughs> so that's that's my fault, dude. <laughs> well, I mean, life happens, right? Life moves pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, that's my fault. <laughs> I, I'll own that one. Um, you've been busy, bro. Yeah, we have. Uh, I can tell. We've been we've been getting after it, and uh, a lot of different projects and a lot of different arenas from bow hunting to turkey hunting to fly fishing and it's been a lot it's been a lot of learning curves too yeah i tell you what man like everybody i I think everybody knows how much of a just ridiculous duck hunter i am um but i don't know if a lot of people really know um the affliction i have with fishing especially now it'll be hard to replace chasing speckle trout on top water like that's mm, it's gonna be hard to but but right up there is redfish on the fly uh like we're we're in my fly shop right now or we're in my rod shop right now um and if if people were listening could look around you would see unfinished rods like hanging off the wall (laughs) and over over there in the corner and uh yeah (laughs) Um, but, uh, there's just something, um, it's almost primal, dude, yeah. like catching fish on a rod that you built, like from scratch, blank on up, uh, on a fly rod, on a fly that you tied. Um, dude, I remember the first redfish I caught on a fly. I made the fly out of a piece of mylar tubing, <laughs> the stuff that's on the back of the toilet, yeah. you know, that goes down the water on. Yep. Um, and I shaped it into the shape of a little spoon fly, <laughs> uh, put the hook through it, shaped it in the shape of a little spoon fly and epoxy. Throw some epoxy on it and, and call uh, it good. <laughs> dude. Some glitter. Like Throw you some mean, glitter in there. Bro, I put a red stripe down there. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> and it, um, like redfish could, they just, they couldn't, they couldn't stand it. They couldn't leave it alone. And I'm like, this, this is better than drugs. <laughs> yeah, This is awesome. But I, I appreciate, um, what it takes to, uh, film a bird being shot is hard enough, but filming a trout taking a fly or a redfish taking a fly, getting that on film in frame, in focus, I, I just, it boggles my mind. It's tough, man. <laughs> it is. Well, answer me this. There's something about redfish that, for me at least, I feel like I can remember almost every single take I've had sight fishing reds on a fly. Yes. 
that just those gills yep. expanding that half second in time where it's just a freight train and it's such a memorable mm. moment and it's I, I don't think there's any other species that i've ever really gone after but and granted i've never done any of the caribbean stuff and things like that but redfish man they're no but it's it's one-on-one with them because you can see them come, like i I know in Texas it's got to be about the same thing as it is in Louisiana. Like, you see them tailing. Mm -hmm. Our fish don't tail here as much as they do in Texas or in Florida because here they're not reliant upon crustaceans in the sand, which is when they bury their nose, their tail comes up, and that's when they start flagging. Louisiana, we've got so much bait coming through the water, and our fish are so big and dumb and stupid. Like, they'll just sit there and wait for the next, you know, the next mullet to go by or <laughs> whatever they see. Um, but there's something about, okay, I see a flag at 1 o'clock, right? Yeah. And I can I can be on the polling platform or in the front, and I see a flag at 12 o'clock, and there's something about getting within shooting distance where you're not doing this – back and forth back and forth back and forth i mean it's it's one false cast then a double haul to the back and then you shoot on it and when that there's when a fly lays down perfectly just like that on top of the water right in front of the fish that you're targeting Ugh. um it's it's poetry bro. it is and then half the time like, they say, nah, I'm good. <laughs> dude i i tell you what man i if I if I put the perfect cast um, in front of the redfish down here, I've had them eat it a lot more times than they haven't. Nah. Um, it it's just they just eat anything that you put in front of them. Our uh, um, our Texas fish are getting smarter. I've I've over the past eight years or so fishing the coast, it, you, there's a noticeable difference of, especially really? the stuff around like. Port O'Connor, all that stuff. It, it gets mm. fished hard, man. And those those fish, mm-hmm. they just, they're getting to the point where most of them have seen flies. Now, there are stretches yeah. in South Texas that are just stupid. They're, and those fish live in the Laguna. They don't go out into the bay system or mm-hmm. into the Gulf at all. They spend their entire lives down there, and they're happy fish. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So you get some bigger fish down huh. there, too. Because there's just no is it because the salinity stays? Is it because the salinity stays at kind of a constant level all year? From what I've been told, the main reason is there's just not very many natural outlets. Like there's there is a jetties in Port Mansfield, and from there on up, the next thing is uh, some of the smaller natural passes in the Barrier Islands. But Hmm. other than that, they're kind of stuck back there, and so you get some fish that are in the upper or lower thirties. I mean, that's a, which is a good fish for Texas. I know that's mm. a, not re- exactly ringing your bells for your Louisiana fish, but no, dude. <laughs> uh, uh, let me tell you, you know what Louisiana fish have not seen redfish have not seen a lot of flies. <laughs> that's the way we like it. <laughs> <laughs> but there's just something about man, when that fly, when that, when that weight forward line just lays down perfectly, and it doesn't even, it makes the slightest ripple on the water and that fish turns because he heard it and now he sees it. You know it's over. And it's strip, 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 and he just comes barreling like a freight train. And, dude, time slows to, I mean, it happens in a fraction of a second, but to me at least, it's like time freezes. Yeah. And I will, like you said, I remember every single one I've ever caught on a fly. 
I every I, we could talk the whole. I, I could tell you every story of every rat I caught on a, and I haven't caught that many, but I, I could I can tell you every single one of them. I'm kind of the same way. Like I look back on photos of certain fish, and I can it's burned in my brain. Like you can just see that moment, what fly it was, where you were, who you're with, how it happened, the temperature, caught cold, what what everything just comes flooding back mm. in that little moment in time. Like I said, just slow motion. It's awesome. It's awesome. I bet you uh, people thought they were tuning into a waterfall podcast. <laughs> and welcome into the Fly Fishing <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> welcome to the Fly Fishing Collective. Yep. Um, no, that's that's good, man. I, I want to talk a lot more about kind of your adventures and, and filming that stuff and where it's brought you, what you can talk about, like where it's going to bring you because you've got some really you've got some pretty ambitious product uh projects coming up man like we talked about one of them on the phone we're not gonna we're not gonna get into it here i'm just gonna let the tension build a little bit but (laughs) when it when it drops folks um there may be some life or death struggles in, (laughs) in 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 what this adventure that cole is planning and i'm digging it so um, but before we, before we go crazy and just geek out on fly fishing for redfish, um, give us, give us some of the background. Like, let's start in the beginning. Like where, where were you born? What did you do? Tell us about young Cole and how he developed into the Cole that I know and love now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I was born in Amarillo, Texas and lived there till about three, but I always say my, my hometown is Georgetown, Texas, which is in the hill country of Texas. And uh, so we got the, the nice ice cold hill country rivers and warm water species, bass, sunfish, all that stuff. Um, so I grew up in Georgetown, Texas. My dad put a fly rod in my hand when I was four years old and I kind of ran with it from there and took it further than he ever did. Um, hmm. And I mean, I, and I grew up in, awesome house, a complete family, mother and father still together, like, and got two brothers on the middle, middle child. So the most mis- mischievous one, of course. Oh um, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and awesome Christian household and which is great and, and provides a lot of opportunity for you, but it also has its, uh, its pitfalls as well. Cause it, Sometimes I think people grow up in that type of household and, you know, they don't, they don't own their faith and it's kind of just what your family does. And you show up to church on Sunday and you're like, and you turn 13 or 14. It's like, why am, why am I here? And, you mm-hmm. know, I, I can remember mm-hmm. not enjoying church at all. Like, and mm. you know, yeah, me too. faking sick to not go to church and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, now, grow, now grow, were you into anything like sports or did you, did you play baseball or yeah. was it just all fishing all the time? Oh, I was very, very much into sports. I mean, anything I could play, it, I was all over it as well as the, the fly fishing stuff. But growing up, I mean, I would definitely say it was sports out of over the outdoorsy stuff until high school. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, okay. For sure. And it, I stopped growing in the eighth grade and I was at. 5'10", a scrawny 160, and I was like, 
this this probably isn't going anywhere. <laughs> there goes my dream of making the bigs. Yeah, yeah. I I would say it. Uh, maybe if I was playing tennis, uh, my my <laughs> wife played tennis in college, but I, I still can't beat her. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyways, gotcha. Um, gotcha. But yeah, it was definitely sports and over most things, and and that, honestly, that's kind of where I hit some of my issues too. I really. I, I enjoyed being the sports star and cared what people thought and and cared yeah. what my classmates thought of me. And that's kind of where I placed my identity. And so mm-hmm. when sports started going downhill and I wasn't the elite athlete I thought I was, um, and I was definitely very arrogant about it, I uh, mm. definitely had to, uh, to make a couple changes and to – set my priorities straight. And I, I remember very distinctly going into high school thinking, I kind of want to find a new identity. And for me, where I was at that point in my walk with Christ was very, very lukewarm. Like I was definitely saved and, and things were great, but the devil was perfectly fine with where I was at. There was nothing wrong. I was not saving anybody. I was just kind of, cruising i was on cruise control and i remember ninth grade my friends just started my whole friend group just started doing stuff i was like man guys this is not good and started doing things i just wasn't going to be a part of drinking and partying and all those things and i remember i had to make a very conscious decision to step away and lose be okay with losing friends and losing popularity and losing status and be okay with just being alone and figuring out what my identity is in Christ and not in other people and what other people think or I needed to be getting my value from Christ and at this time I mean I was wildly addicted to pornography and it was and not a soul knew nobody I can remember just like begging to get caught by my parents, like thinking in my head, like, man, I wish someone would just catch me. I need help. I need help. And I ended up. And how old were you? This is ninth grade. All throughout ninth grade. Man, do you, do you realize how mature of a headspace that is at that age? Because in ninth grade, I just wanted to get away with stuff. Yeah. Well, I was there too. Like I wanted to get away with it, but I can remember sometimes I was like, I just want somebody, please catch me. I need help. But I was so ashamed that I didn't want to be the one that came to my parents or came to accountability saying like, man, I am struggling with this. And that was really hard. And I had some guys in my youth group at church that were some older gentlemen. He just asked me one day, he just out of the book, are you addicted to pornography? And I just remember saying, yes. I am. And then there was no judgment. There was no, it was just like, I'm here to help, man. And he helped me and kept me accountable and broke free of that. And it, you know, it was definitely a struggle. And I slipped up and not perfect along the way. And that time period was really when I was like, okay, I've seen freedom from pornography and I've felt the difference of one, living for my flesh, or two, living for God and living for what God has for us. 
And I think a lot of people's misconceptions about Christians and these quote unquote rules that God has laid out for us in the Bible is like, we look at it as they're for our own detriment and we can't enjoy life because of these rules as much. And I would counter that to saying, no, that's not it. These rules that God's laid out for us are for our benefit. They are, because if you live opposite of these rules, it's to your own detriment. Like I'm now married and I am so incredibly grateful that I'm not addicted to pornography because my marriage is awesome because of it. And I could not enjoy my marriage now if I hadn't addressed those problems then. And it's a place of freedom. It's not a place of restriction. Mm -hmm. Those rules are not for your restriction. They're for your own freedom. And it says, let the truth set you free. And that's what exactly what it is. And I guess my encouragement to somebody that might be listening to this, thinking like these rules just are going to restrict you from, from living life to the fullest. It's like, no, you, I'm sorry, but you, you're wrong. I, I kindly disagree with you unless you have dedicated yourself and lived by the rules that the Bible lays out for us and just watch what happens in your life. When you begin to give, when you begin to tithe, when you be able, when you begin to serve, when you begin to love, watch the blessings that pour into your life. It is yeah. unreal. And so I, I kind of went off a tangent there, but so ninth grade. No, it's good, man. And that's good. Went and figuring myself out. <laughs> I can, I can remember just. I had, I was out on one of my limestone creeks, and there's a spot where. This, this spring shoots out of this, like, it's like a limestone cliff and limestone bottom and had my fly rod in hand. It was like 102 Texas day in the hill country. And I can just remember being exhausted at the end of the day, the sun was kind of going over the hill, you know, golden light. I just lay down in this spring, just flat on my back. I just broke down. This is ninth grade. And I was like, all right, God. I've seen you deliver me from pornography. I've seen how you were working. From here on out, I'm your man. I want to live for you. I want to own this. I want to own every decision that I make. And I want to strive after you. I want to become more like you. And I want to hear your voice. I want to hear what you have for me. And fly rod in hand, I can, my dog at the time, uh, her name was Sandy. She was with me. I can just remember, she just laid down in the spring next to me, had her head on the, head on my chest. It's just a surreal moment I just was flat on my back. If someone had seen me, they would probably thought I was dead or something. You know, in the middle of the <laughs> Texas Hill Country somewhere. Dying a heat trail. Yeah. And every time I go by that spot, because it's like a three or four mile hike up river to that spot. It's a very it's a pretty special spot. And like I mm-hmm. just remember that moment. It's a very distinct moment in time where these little decisions to go a certain direction, affect the rest of your life. Yeah. So, um, you know, you've heard my testimony, you know, where I was saved. Um, and like it's in the, one of the deepest, darkest parts of the Mississippi Delta in a Tupelo swamp. Right. Yeah. Um, but I know every time that we are, that I'm by that tree, I say it like I know where my right foot was and where my left foot was. I know exactly where I was standing Mm -hmm. the, the day and time that it happened, um, where I did well, exactly what you just said. Um, 
my faith. It wasn't my wife wanting me to be a nicer person. It wasn't um, anything other than I have decided to own uh, and be responsible for my relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, maybe that sounds weird to some guys. It, it Matter of fact, I know it does because I, if I had heard those things before I really understood them, I would have been like, man, y'all are, y'all are weird, <laughs> right? Um, y'all got to screw loose or two or three. Um, yeah. But what I would tell people is don't throw rocks at it until you truly understand it. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to beat guys over the head with a Bible. I, I don't want to be the guy saying Jesus is the way turn or burn because you win exactly zero people with that message. Um, what I do tell people is, man, you have to find out, you have to do, you have to research and find out for yourself. Like, don't listen to what your, your priest says or your pastor says or your mama says or your mama says. Like, you have to own that decision because it, it's not going to impact anybody but you. You need to own that decision. And if you're going to own that decision, be a real man and do the research. And when I ask you, like, what's your relationship with Jesus look like before you kind of laugh under your breath and turn away, um, don't, don't do it in ignorance. Do it because you did research and now you decide to believe a different way. Yeah. Uh, but, but don't, don't turn away from a place of ignorance turn away from a place of i've done all, i've i've read the book or even if you don't read the book read the gospel of john just read one book read 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 one one book in the bible read john because you know john leaves a purpose clause in his gospel he says look i'm writing these things to you so that you can believe and in believing have eternal life um, so the book is written so that you can believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Yeah. And therein lies the single work that you have to do. And that's believe so important. He wrote the word, the word believe shows up in the gospel of John 98 times. Apparently it's pretty important. <laughs> um, so before you just, you know, laugh under your breath and huff and turn away, uh, don't do it from a place of complete ignorance. Um, don't do it from a place of, oh, I got to be, I'm, you know, if I follow Jesus, I'm, I'm a sissy and I can't have fun anymore and I can't go do all the things that I want to do or my friends are going to laugh at me. Yeah, they're going to laugh at you because they know you. But you know what happens, man? What happened to me a couple of years after I was saved? Uh, I think a lot of people will stand on the sidelines and go, yeah, let's watch how this works out. Yeah. Right. And what they saw was crap. Um, that kind of works. <laughs> like this, yeah, man. Like this, this dude. He's 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 the same guy that we've always known. He's the same clown that we've <laughs> always known. Um, but man, you can tell he has joy and inner peace and contentment with like where he is and what's going on. And he's still going through the same stuff. I mean, you know, bad things are 
you know, or negative things are still happening to him. He's still dealing with life like everybody else, but he's got something different, man. And so what's happened is a lot of those guys that, you know, kind of laughed under their breath and like, oh yeah, okay, here comes Joey, big Bible thumper. I remember when we <laughs> closed the bar down and then break in and keep drinking more. Um, yeah, that was me. Um, but I own it. And I think a lot of those guys now, I know a couple of them have come around and uh, are beginning to, to walk and follow Christ. Um, because of me, who knows? I mean, maybe some small part of it, uh, one person water, you know, one person plants and other waters. Um, but a lot of those guys that were laughing before were like, hmm, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe there is something to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I totally agree. And, and I, I want to preface all this too, with the fact like I'm far from perfect now too. I am not sitting here saying I have come full circle and I've figured life out. I'm, oh yeah. I'm, I'm 24 years old. I have not gotten life figured out. I'm far from it. You're just a baby. <laughs> just a baby. Yeah. I got a lot of, I got a long ways to go, but I do think that we are on the right path on, on figuring out how to optimize our lives and fully accept Jesus Christ and accept his plans and not our own plans. Yeah. So that, that day in the river, that's when you really owned your faith and the direction that your faith was going to take you and the path that you were on. Um, it was, it wasn't anybody else's. It wasn't your mom's. It wasn't your dad's. It wasn't, you know, your families that you were in church with all the time. It was yours. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And from that point, I mean, this is, this is after my ninth grade year. So sophomore year rolls around and I've had this mental decision. I'm going to, I'm going to come to school. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be different. This is going to be a different year, different, different person. And naturally, I lost friends because of it. Different friend group. If um, honestly, I kind of became more of a lone wolf than anything. Kind of a enigma. I was still playing sports and enjoying all that. And um, sophomore year, I began to be able to drive. And whenever I got to be able to drive, that's when things really changed for me. I I would uh, get done with school, go home, grab my fly rod and my dog, and I was on the river probably six out of seven days as soon as I could drive. Mm. It was every day head into the river and just getting lost. I remember just putting my headphones in and I would just start walking like rain, shine, doesn't matter. I was there. And man, that time alone was just yeah. critical. It was critical. It was just, I'm going to focus you on, on you Lord. And at the same time, like I was getting really good at fly fishing, which also yeah. created some, some paths that kind of led me to where I'm at, where I am now. And at this point I'm, I've sworn off girls in high school and like, I'm just, I'm going to do my own thing. And I was ready to, uh, you know, just kind of be my own man and be a lone wolf and all the way. I mean, it was same, same story all the way through high school and to my senior year. And I had applied to go to uh, Montana state university I was like, I'm going to start over somewhere out of Texas. And uh, 
I'm just dude. Ready you to bring say. a fly rod to Montana, you will never make it to class. <laughs> I, no, not a chance. I'm sorry, man. It just ain't gonna happen. <laughs> not a chance. It's yeah, and so, man, I had uh, in senior years where things really, really became real. Like I was locked in on my faith. Like it was one of the coolest times of my life because it was so new to like hearing the voice of the Lord. Like once again, people are going to think we're crazy for that. This, But I, I know what I've heard and I, I know the Lord talks to me and he talks to people in all sorts of different ways. But for me, it was really cool because I had an experience where in high school, I remember being in church and this girl walks in front of me and sits down two rows in front of me. And all I hear is that's your wife. Cole. And I, I, mm. I like looked at my brothers and I was like, did you guys like, did you hear that? Like, and they're, you know, they're doing their things normal. And I was like, right. what the heck? what <laughs> like out of nowhere like i had sworn off girl i wasn't going to be chasing after any girls or anything like that so the next yeah. three months of praying and fasting about it and this girl starts showing up in all my classes sitting down next to me and it's just like all right god i, I got it i got it and naturally it, it progressed into a, a relationship with her and we ended up that is my wife today and you know five years six years later we got married and and just unreal times. And there are events like that in my life that you could never shake me from my faith. I will die for Jesus. I know for a fact that Jesus has a plan for me and his plan is for my good and not for my detriment. And it is just amazing to have that relationship with our savior and our creator because he cares, he cares about you and he, he wants what's best for you and wants to speak with you. But, it's just like anything else, like being able to hone in on his voice. It takes practice. It takes time development and you got to crawl right. before you can walk and walk before you can run. And ah, man, it's just, I wish, I wish people would just give it a year. If you're on the fence about it, dedicate yourself and try to just chase after God for one year and just, Write everything down. Write all the wins and the successes that you experienced in that time because we we forget things so fast. We forget God's. What do you think that looks? What do you think that looks like? Like you, if somebody said, "Okay, I'm going to do exactly what Cole just said," um, step by step, man. Like, it, like, pretend I I am not a believer, and I said, Cole, I what you just said intrigues me, and I want to do what you just said. Like for a year, I'm going to – so do I start off? Do I go to church every Sunday? Do I go every Wednesday? Do I – like what do I do? What do I do? Do, do, do. So you see the thing here? Do. What do I have to do? Yeah. Um, um, absolutely. And so what would you tell them? What would you tell me? First things first is when people say like, well, God just never talks to me. Well, that's not true. I mean, God's given us a Bible, and that is his word, and that is where he speaks to every single person. And that is his word. And that is where you start. The foundation of everything that Joey and I have built our faith around is what the Bible says. We haven't added to it, taken anything away from it. 
read and start there. And then the second part of that is, you know good and well if your friend group and the guys or gals that you surround yourself with are not uplifting and godly and righteous. You know it at the bottom of your, your mind. And if that's the case, you you got to do some culling. You got to cull your friends and decide, do these people actually care for me? And are these people pushing me towards Christ? And if that's not the case, you got to go find a, a friend group. And for a lot of people, that is in a church. For some people, it's not. For some people, it's in organizations like Revelation Outdoors, where guys that get together, duck hunt, and have an unreal time in a duck blind, on a skiff, wherever that is. But get yourself around those guys that you want to look like. So if there is a model that you want to look like, a, a certain person in your life, like he seems like he knows Jesus and is living a very fulfilled life, tell him where you're at. And I guarantee you that person will not turn you down and will say, let's walk together and let's figure this thing out. And we'll get in the skiff or we'll get in the duck blind and we will make sure to get you on the right path. And I think between those two things of reading the Bible and surrounding yourself with a group of guys or girls that are actually going to push you towards Christ is the first step into Mm -hmm. diving in and dedicating your life to what. So what you're talking about is number one, personal responsibility to learn about who your savior really is, right? Right. I don't think there's any book in scripture better than the book of John. Um, You get his complete humanity. Yeah. You get all of his characteristics of what a real man should and does look like. Um, You don't get a picture of a pacifist or... Uh, you know, I don't know if you've read um, Beautiful Outlaw by John Eldridge. I have not. Um, man, like, we're getting ready. One of our musters, we, we've got a mustard that's on the calendar for North Carolina, and John and his group gave us all of their material, all of their Wild at Heart boot camp material. Oh, cool. Um, on video, it's them teaching it. It's the same exact thing that you get when you go to Colorado. Um, and it's just, it's about rediscovering the masculine heart that we were created with. Like, you know, our heart is actually good. And I know what people say, no, in Jeremiah, it says the heart is wicked. Who can know? That's the old Testament, right? Mm -hmm. The new Testament, God says, I'm going to give you a new heart. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that old Testament before Jesus right? Well, now we, we have, we can have a new heart. And the thing about it is, is the point that John makes, and I know you've read Wild at Heart, um, but the point that John makes is like, if you watch little boys that, that play, uh, what do they do? They grab sticks and it's, you know, they're sword fighting or they're, they're, you know, slaying monsters or playing war. It's adventure. And it's, and then like you get to, you know, our age and I'm twice as old as you are. Um, you look back and you're like, man, where did that go? (laughs) Like what, what happened? Um, and so, yeah, we do need redemption. Um, and so the first part of that is learning about the real savior and it's not religion. Um, if you were on a desert Island and there was no church, 
but you had a Bible with you, you have everything you need to guarantee that when you reach room temperature and stop breathing, the technical term is when you die, <laughs> you will you will be with him in glory forever. You have everything that you need at your fingertips. So it's not about showing up at a at a church, um, but it is about learning for yourself who your savior really is. And I think that's a big problem today is that religion has given us a picture of Jesus that is that is false. Um, I, I don't, you know, I, I think back to when I was in Sunday school and, you know, Jesus was this kind of austere, aloof fellow in starch white tailored robes and, you know, speaking in parables all the time and nobody really understood what he was talking about and that's man read the book of john like one of my one of my favorite favorite stories of jesus is towards the end like around in chapter 20 where he tells the disciples um to meet him uh at the sea of galilee right and so they all go and they wait all night he doesn't show up and peter oh peter <laughs> um Peter gets impatient and he says, well, I'm going fishing now in his defense, like, bro, if my bay boat was there, I'd have done the same thing. Um, <laughs> right. Oh yeah. But so they go out and they fish all night and they catch nothing. Now get this because you can read it and miss it. Jesus, it says is walking up the beach and he kept himself hidden from his disciples. In other words, they didn't know who it was. Um, and he just, I picture kind of like Jesus walking up the beach like a tourist with his hands in his pockets. And he goes, hey, you guys catch anything? And they said, no, we've been fishing all night. <laughs> he says, well, try the other side of the boat. They still don't know who it is. Try the other side of the boat. So is this, is this Jesus being playful? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And so they try the other side. The nets are full. They can barely get them back into the boat. And then all of a sudden they realize who it is and they fall in love all over again. Right. Mm -hmm. And so scripture says they get to the beach, they drag the fish up on the beach. Typical fishermen. It says there were 352 biggins. So <laughs> typical fishermen, right? Jesus is there, but we're going to take time to separate the big ones from the little ones because these are big. Like these are the ones I caught. These are the ones the other guys caught over here. Um, nothing's changed. <laughs> nothing's changed. But what's beautiful to me about that story is what it's not only what Jesus says and does, it's what he doesn't say and doesn't do. Like he doesn't say, pick up your scrolls and let's go to the synagogue and have a Bible study. No, he's already got a fire going and he already has fish on the fire where those come from. I don't know. He's God in the flesh, so <laughs> he can get his own fish. Um, but he doesn't do what you would think a typical religious person would do. And that is, you know, let's go have a Bible study, man. He has a cookout breakfast on the beach as the sun's rising with his best friends. <laughs> and I'm like, what would you to be there? Man, God, like that, that is my savior. 
that's the kind of person that that's the savior that I have a relationship with. Um, and the book of John is full of things like that. Like you picture him in a wedding, just relaxed and kicked back and having a good time and laughing. And, you know, he does his first creative miracle, turning water into wine. Um, but you know, if, if you only, if your only picture of Jesus is what you pick up in a church, um, and man, I'm not slamming church at all, right? Don't, I, I want to say that. I don't, I don't want people to think that I'm anti-church. I love my church. Um, but if your only picture of Jesus is what you pick up in church, like, man, you're missing it. You're missing the playfulness. You're missing the, just the, the, the lovingness, the fierceness of Jesus when it was time to be fierce. Um, you know, I, I just, uh, you, you miss the picture of Jesus. Like I think of him embracing his mission of going to the cross. Like, man, that's the, that's the, that's the William Wallace and the, <laughs> the Maximus that is just, he's, he's a champion right? Yeah. And he loves us and he wants to have all he's doing is say, I want you to know me for who I am. I want to have a relationship with you. I don't care about your sin. Sin's not the issue anymore. It's not, I took care of that. Right. I mean, in, in, in John, it says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, not the sins, the sin singular, all of it one time. So sin's not the issue anymore. The issue is, do you know me or not? Right? Yeah. And so that's the first thing is understanding who he is, right? And the second part that you, I think, which is brilliant, is you have to find someone who's going to hold you accountable. And and not in a scolding way, but, hey, man, I've been there. Like, I've walked through the minefield before. Let me help you, right? Right. And so you got to learn on your own, but you're going to need people around you that will hold you accountable because guess what, man, once you start playing for the other team, uh, we have an enemy that now you're on his hit list. Yeah, absolutely. You're spot on. I don't, I don't think a lot of guys walking around today, even believers, um, are living in a way that they have put on their spiritual armor every day. Uh, and I don't think that they realize that we are in a world at war yeah. with the enemy. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, spiritual warfare is kind of a joke in America right now. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. I'm telling you. What? Um, so we're out of high school now. Yeah. Right. An hour, an hour into the podcast, we're finally out of high school. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Um, so what happens after high school? Yeah. So uh, not at Montana State University. I had a, a pretty girl keeping me around and a few other reasons. And life brought me to Texas A&M. And I'm very, very thankful that it did. And uh, so through Revelation Outdoors, I mean, I got my first actual friend group of guys that one enjoyed what I've done or what I like to do 
fly fish, bow hunt, duck hunt, all that love, and love Jesus Christ. And I never had that combination of mm. of things and friends, and it was awesome. I mean, to have that kind of support around you and genuine friendship that wasn't strained because we believe different things or like enjoy different passions and hobbies. It's like, this is true unadulterated friendship. Like it is awesome and it's good and wholesome. Mm -hmm. And we, uh, I mean, college is, college is great. I was ready to graduate and get done and start real life. And, um, to this day, some of my best friends came from starting revelation outdoors and that chapter and being able to, reach guys and and people that may not have ever stepped foot in the church it was cool and i mm. learned i learned more from that than they probably did from those guys and just how to connect with those people and understand where they're coming from and that was very mm. uh important for some of my next steps in life and so graduated Dude, do you realize wait do you realize how crazy it is that that chapter was started from some coon ass who decided to follow Jesus and stepped off into a beaver run while he was duck hunting. Yeah. <laughs> Can we stop and just acknowledge how insane that is? <laughs> Cause man, I was telling my wife, like we went to the banquet, um, which I'm still kind of miffed that you weren't there, but Hey, it's okay. Um, went to the banquet and man, there's like 300 people yeah. there. And I, I said it one cause I spoke for a little bit and you know, my testimony is getting ready to drop on project identity next week. Um, it's about time. It's only 11 years in the making. Um, but like you'll see the role that my wife played in my salvation. And it wasn't, this struggle of trying to get me to church and saying, you know, you need to do this. You need to do that. It was her living out first Peter three, when it says wives, if your husbands don't obey the word, they may be one W O N one without a word when they see your just and pure <laughs> conduct. Wow. And now that was, that was God telling women and my wife, it's not your job to save him. It's my job to save him. And I've got it. You just keep doing what you're doing, right? And so my point in saying that is you look at the the lives that um, Revelation Outdoors, I'm not trying to make it more than it is, all right? But the lives that Reve Revelation Outdoors was able to touch. And that night I said, you know, this is through one woman's faithfulness. This is through one woman's faithfulness praying for her husband that he would just be a nicer guy yeah. and look what wow. God does with that. And I uh, just, it's still crazy to me, man, that because one, one dude decides to do something right finally and winds up being baptized by stepping off into a beaver run and naming his naming the ministry revelation outdoors because he had his revelation outdoors. <laughs> Dude, we never, I, I never saw, I never saw that coming. I mean, what you guys did there was, was awesome. But, um, 
Yeah, through one woman's faithfulness. That's yeah, what God does. To your point, I think everybody can look back on, at the time, what you considered a very minor decision impacting the entire direction of your life. And when you start as, and as I'm getting, as I'm getting older, I'm looking back on some of those decisions that I've made and it makes you realize that like every single little decision that you make, yeah, it may not end up being much, but it could, it could change your life. It could change your friendships. It could change your marriage. It could change everything about your life. And it makes you slow down and think through mm. every decision that you make. Just like your wife. Yeah. 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 It's uh it's kinda like so obviously United yeah. States Navy, right? Um when you want to make a course correction and you've got hundreds of miles before your next your next turn on your chart, um, a one degree turn here, um is or a one degree off of course one way or the other by the time you get to where you thought you were going to be you're off course by hundreds of miles yeah you know i mean it's not this big drastic wheel <laughs> turning ship lifting the starboard uh no man it's just a single degree that if you stay on that that heading that that one single degree uh threw you off by man you turn around when you get to where you thought you were going and you're like wait a minute this this doesn't look any place like i thought where we were supposed to yeah. be at all you're spot on you are spot yeah. on so anyway back i'm i, I threw you off <laughs> no, the story, dude, man. Good. i'm sorry um yeah ahead. so i'm sorry graduate graduate college and uh like i said i kind of took the chalk route and engineering degree and got a corporate job as a sales engineer. Um, and I worked that job. And at this point I'm waiting for my now wife to graduate and, uh, to go ahead and marry her. So I'm saving up, you know, by, by a ring. I remember I, I, uh, I was saving all my guide tips to, to buy a, a diamond ring. <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah. but at this point I'm yeah. working the engineering job and just, slowly feels like man like you had mentioned earlier like where did my where did that childlike spirit go dude like where is it where is that adventure and joy and laughter and like just sitting here honestly chasing a paycheck and there's a time and place to provide and take care of your family but at the same time I was I considered myself the provider for myself and for my wife, whose name is Justice. And through that time, God just broke me down because I was stressed out of my mind trying to hit corporate deadlines and and sales goals and all this stuff. And it's just like, oh my gosh, I am not capable. <laughs> and God broke me down. It's like, yeah. you are not the provider of your family. Like, you're not. I am your provider. Take peace and solace in that. And be okay that I give you the ability to generate wealth. Be okay with that. Like, mm. I'm going to provide. And so I, at this point, I've married my wife. We're, we actually moved to Oklahoma for this job I was working. And um, COVID hits. And 
man, they, and this get, we don't have to get political here, but I didn't get the vaccination and they didn't like that. So I got it. I got forced out the Mm -hmm. door and I was scared out of my mind. And, um, I didn't know what I was going to do. We had just bought a house and I, I just remember running into the forest. We bought a house with like an acre of forest that I can bow hunt and stuff like that. And I just ran into the forest and dropped to my knees and just bawling crying. I was like, God, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And at this point I'm doing a little bit of side work and stuff for my own business going native, which is content creation and everything else. And my wife sat me down. It's like, it's going to be okay. We're going to figure this out. And let's just go to Montana for a week. <laughs> I was like, okay, good start. Um, let's forget. About, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, bring exactly. my fly rod? <laughs> forget about everything else. Let's just go drink coffee in the snow. Cause it's the middle of January. So we do that. We fly out and God was just so good. It's just like, I just started getting calls for work for going native work of like, here's some business here. Here's, here's the, this month's mortgage payment right here. If you just do this and it's just like, okay, God's already starting to provide. We're praying through it. Like just hard, just very, very diligently just being still. It's like, just be still and know that I am God. Mm. That's just kept on running through my head. Just be still and Mm -hmm. know that I'm God. I am your provider. And so we get back from Montana Psalm 40, Psalm 46. Yep, absolutely. And get back from Montana. This is, this is a week after I've lost my job, no paycheck and get back to my house and a pipe in our attic had burst in our whole house. We came back to a house that was completely flooded holes in the roof. And I just, once again, I broke down and I felt like a complete failure as a husband and once again, God brought me to a place of like, how many times do I got to tell you, you are not the provider. I'm going to provide for you. And I, we had this uh, whiteboard on our fridge of, it was an exercise for me mainly of how many times has God failed us and how many times has God let me succeed? And it's just the tallies are just adding up for how many times God has let us succeed and provided. And there's zero tallies. And so our whole house is just wet and flooded and Everything but that whiteboard had been touched by the water. And that whiteboard was just sitting there on the fridge, glaring in my face. Like even the stuff written around it, the little letters, was wiped away. And all that was left was how many times has God's let us succeed and provided for us? And I was just like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Like, okay, I'll I'll wait this one out. I'll be positive about this. And a month later, we just get this giant insurance check. Like, I probably shouldn't even be saying this online. Like, it was way more than it should have been. Way more. And it was just this runway to start our own mm-hmm. business. Of, I just did all the repairs myself, pocketed the money that would have been spent on contractors and everything else. And it was probably the best thing that could have ever happened to us. It's just this giant insurance check that came out of nowhere to let us start this business and to take that leap of faith. And man, I, I literally tell my wife this every day. It's like, I feel like a kid again. And it's so funny that you had mentioned that because it's just like, I just feel these whole feelings of, I hit the water. And my thing is I love drifting rivers on drift boat rafts, whatever. 
something about being on the oars and rafting. Like, oh my gosh. I just, I have my giant coasters on with the guys and this is after all this has kind of gone down and I'm just like, I'm balling. Like they can't see it. It's underneath the coasters and everything else. And, uh, just balling is like, thank you, Lord. Like, this is where I belong. And it was at the time I was filming for some stuff. Like, this is my job. This is where I'm supposed to be. And it just felt so unbelievably right. (laughs) It was amazing. And it's a good feeling. And it's just, well, you got you got your you, you got yeah, your heart back. Man. Absolutely, that's what it absolutely. is. Absolutely, it's just amazing. I mean, every day I'm blown away by God's faithfulness. It is just unreal. It's it's overwhelming, is what it is. It's absolutely overwhelming. Yeah. And like the thing is, and I I think I said this when uh, I had John Brooker on is man I am I work for a company that I absolutely love I love what we do um, you know we we service law mm-hmm. enforcement and protecting and serving the people that protect and serve yeah. us is it's a life's calling for me I love it um, but at, at times it, it's a, cause I'm in sales. Um, you know, I'm not going to brag, but I'm up there, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the top, you know, two or 3%. Um, but it's a rat race, man. I, I mean, it, it feels like that sometimes it's just go, 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 go. And I'm guilty of like exactly what you said. I, I'm the provider, you know, if, if, I feel like a lot of times, um, number one, I feel sometimes like I walked into a movie that started 45 (laughs) minutes ago is one of the things that Eldred says. He's like, you feel like you're dropped into the middle of the story, like, and you don't know, like, all right, well, what's this guy doing over here? And I'm just trying to get my bearings and I'll walk in and I see this and that. And life feels like that sometimes. And life feels like, Man, if if it's gonna happen, I gotta make it happen. And Cole, I gotta tell you, I've been like that my whole life. Um, if it's gonna happen, I ha- it I have to make it happen. It's the only only way that it. And I gotta keep telling myself like, no, no. Um, if it happens, it's because it is God's plan that that is how it's going to work. Um, your job is to be faithful in that and, you know, allow when, when things, when you feel like you have to step in and defend what you're doing or, um, take a stance on something, the, the, my biggest issue is I try to do it and I'm not letting Jesus be my advocate in that. Yeah. Um, and it's. Man, what you just said is like just mind blowing because no, I'm not the provider. Um I'm the facilitator, maybe, but God is the provider. Like I can do nothing without Jesus. Nothing. 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 Um and yeah, if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen maybe through me, but not because of me. Right. Um, and that's like, 
for a man, that's a big you thing, dude. Check your pride. Because, dude, like, no joke. Because, um, like, I was raised, like, be a man. You, you don't show weakness because somebody will exploit that. And, you know, you don't cry. Put dirt on it. You know, get back in the game. Uh, be a man. Um, man, do you do you know how disheartening that is? After a while, you get to a point, you're like, man, I'm tired of being the man. I'm just, I'm tired of being the one that like, yeah, if it's going to happen, go jail, make it happen. Give it to him. Okay. Um, but it's, it, you're exactly right, man. It's not, God, thank you for that, man. It's not, uh, it's not you. That's the provider. It's, it's, it's Jesus. That's the provider that is providing through you facilitating his will when you're obedient and you stop and you listen to him and say, okay, Lord, where are you in this? Yeah. Right. That's spot on. Seriously. That's, I mean, it is a massive weight to not have to carry that. Just put it on Jesus. And, and I don't want that to be confused of like, I don't work hard or don't do anything, anything. but it's, it's saying, man, God's given you the ability to work hard. Now work hard in the right ways and look at it from a perspective of the only reason you have the success or have this amount of wealth is because God, the Bible literally says like through Christ, he's given you the ability to generate wealth and to work and these abilities and whatever Mm -hmm. your talents are. I mean, you're not supposed to hide those talents. You're supposed to work hard and sharpen them and use those talents to glorify God. But at the same time, you need to realize that like, the only reason you succeed is through Christ. Plain and simple. Mm-hmm. Even people that don't believe in Christ, I think God has planned for them and he's put them in positions to succeed for a specific reason. And he's such a gentleman that he's given us the choice He's given us the ability to choose him. And so people, free will. Free will. Free yeah, will. 100%. And he's given us the ability to use the influence and the power or the status that he gives us and for good or for bad. And some people don't use it for good. and But I still think God has given them those abilities to succeed in whatever endeavors they're at. But that's a whole nother. Yeah. You know, no, it, it's good because I, for whatever reason, um, I used to have the JWs that would come up my driveway. Uh, and I love everybody, yeah. man. Like, you know, but the Jehovah's Witnesses would come and, um, you know, they would try to, you know, talk to me through their Watchtower Bible and Track Society. And uh, like, I'd blow their mind, dude. I'd invite yeah. them in. Um, and, uh, I would take them through, through scripture, Mm -hmm. right. And say, okay. And Zachariah, when he says, now, first of all, who's talking in Zachariah 10? Well, Zachariah is yeah, but he, who's talking through him. Oh, God's talking through him. Okay, good. When he says they will look upon me whom they have pierced. What does that mean? When he says, uh, they will be my people, and I, the Lord, will be their Savior. 
Who's that pointing to? Who got pierced? Who was pierced? Um, it's funny, man. Like I'm doing it out of love. Yeah. Like if I had the cure for cancer and these people had cancer and I had the cure, like I'm going to give it to you. Right. Um, but uh, like the, so the JWs kind of leave me alone now. They go, they go past (laughs) my house and like, man, I'm outside cutting the grass. I'm like, man, y'all want to come in and talk? No, 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 we're good. (laughs) Um, so now, now God has put this, this battle of Calvinism in front of me where there's, there's no such thing as free will. And if you think you have free will, then you're questioning God's sovereignty. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, no, you, you, God could have created, first of all, what you're telling me is God created some to go to heaven and some to go to hell. Yes. Well, then God didn't love the whole world. Like it said in John three sixteen, right. right? That's what you're telling me because if he loved you, but he created you to go to hell, what kind of love is that? Yeah. It's not. And so if you're telling me like you have to be one of the elect well, that's true, right? But if you read Isaiah, it says there's two elect. Israel is elect and Jesus is elect. We are elect because we are in Jesus. Our position is in Christ. That's why Paul always said in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. That's our position. Yeah, that's interesting. Right? Um, well, and so I said, okay, so if you're telling me that no matter what I do or say, I'm either going to heaven or I'm going to hell and I can't know because I can't know if I'm of the elect. Um, then what's the point of witnessing to people? Number one, what's the point of you even having a church because you can't impact it. If it's already been ordained that this is God's plan that I'm creating you to go to hell or heaven, then what's the point? And then to top it all off, Explain to me if your theology is correct, which it has a man-made beginning. So, okay, that's strike two. Um, Explain to me the book of Job then. Because no matter what Job did, if he was of the elect, Satan was going to lose regardless if he cursed God or not. Right? And those of you that aren't familiar, like the whole book of Job is... Satan and God having this conversation and Satan saying, you know, um, the only reason, the only reason that Job loves you and is, and is faithful as a servant to you is because you give him everything, you know, take everything away from him and he'll curse you to your face. And God said, no, not Job. You can do anything. Satan says, well, let's test him. All right. Well, what's the point of the test? If he was either of the elect or he was not of the elect, right? If he was not of the elect, God was foolish for taking the bet, right? Um, If he was of the elect, Satan knew he was going to lose to begin with because no matter what Job did, it wasn't going to change the outcome if the outcome for your life has already been pre-planned. I mean, God could have created us as robots to automatically love him. And, and want to serve him. But in his wisdom, in his love, he gave us the choice of you decide. Like it's all right there in front of you. You decide if you want to accept it or reject it. It's up yeah. to you. Um, 
So that's the battle that I don't know what, why I attract those types of conversations. That's funny that you bring it up with one of my best friends from college is honestly kind of struggling through the Calvinism debate. And and he was asking the same kind of questions. And honestly, I didn't have very good answers for it. So I probably shouldn't speak on it too much, but it, it is a fascinating argument on both sides, but I, I do lean on the, the free will side of things. And I don't know. I, well, that's good. That's because it's biblical. Yeah. 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 That's fair. <laughs> you know? So it's just, we can, we can get, we can go down these rabbit holes of, well, this religion says that, and that religion says this, man, Jesus is not interested in your religion, dog. Nope. Like he, 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 matter of fact, he says in Isaiah, like when you come to me with your lofty prayers and your hands up in the air and I'm going to turn my back to you, you know, I don't want to hear it. But in the very next verse, he says, but if you'll return to me, come, let us reason. Like, let's, let's work this out. Let's get back into fellowship. Hmm. Um, you, you know, he gives, he gives you the answer in the very next verse if you would just read to see what it says instead of saying, oh, see, right here, the word right there says elect. So that means that, no, keep reading. Yep. Keep reading. Um, so it's it's just interesting. It kind of goes hand in glove with what you were saying. Like, hey, man, read and find out yep. for yourself. Read and find out for yourself. What, um, yeah. let's switch gears. What made you pick up a camera when did you pick up a camera? What made you pick up a camera in the first place? Yeah, so really, the obsession kind of started when I was guiding throughout high school and college, and the uh, the fly shop I was working for was just kind of needing extra content for just their website, you know, the whole social media game and everything else, just from the guide trips that were going, just to help them build out clientele and everything else. And what I found, I'm at, at the time, I was really just using my, my phone my phone camera to take pictures of fish we were catching and everything else. But I found, I was like, this is kind of like the funnest part of the trip for me. Like they get to catch the fish. I get to take the photos and let's make this cool. And it's kind of where it started. My, my boss is actually a really good photographer. So he was it's like, Hey, your next photos, you should change this or do that or do this, put more depth here or whatever. And kind of started developing and going hand in hand. And then in college, we started wanting to put out promotionals for Revelation Outdoors. And I was like, I'll give it a shot. Like, let's go on a weekend trip and go film some stuff. And me and my roommate, we, we filmed it and we sat there on this little tiny laptop and edited a video. And we, we couldn't even, we couldn't even see it like what we were doing. Cause it was like buffering and we're like, let's just render it and see how it looks. <laughs> and, and we're like, wow, like this is better than Yeti's videos. <laughs> every time you see one of your videos, <laughs> of course, like looking back, I still have that video. I look back on it. It's like, Oh my gosh, that's terrible. But at the time, it's, it's yeah. cringeworthy, yeah. right? And, and, we, we did like a, a film premiere night with all the guys at AM and, you know, it kind of turned into like a big deal. And I was like, man, that was kind of awesome. I should just start a YouTube channel just for fun, just for fun. And my, my wife honestly kind of had to push me to, to do it. She's like, just do it. No one's going to even see you're like, 
you're so full of yourself. The fact that you think that people are going to watch your videos and judge you. <laughs> like, and so that's what I did. I just kind of started and man, I just started bringing a camera everywhere I went and fell in love with the art, man. It is a, mm. I am starting to, I, I'm going to say this tentatively. The camera side is starting to be more fun than the fishing side. Now I say this and, Someone's going to pull this clip and say, look, you said this. And they're going to say, get off the casting platform and just film me fish. It's like, no, no, no. I like to fish. So let's not. Yeah, I didn't say. I, yeah, I didn't exactly. Fish. But it is. Look, 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 yeah. It is something that I really do enjoy and been blessed enough to have somewhat of a talent and eye for it, I would say. And I mean, some of that comes from hard work and learning and study and, and just like anything else. Um, but the passion's there and I think that's God given and it's been really fun. And honestly, my, what people don't know is that behind, behind the scenes is my wife is also a very talented photographer and videographer. And so that, really mm. helps. I mean, I have someone to film me and then I also have a model to film myself. So it, uh, it goes hand in hand. It helps out. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's funny about that. You say your wife's a good photographer. My wife is. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that coming. She has, she has the creativity of a stick of oh, butter. Come on now. <laughs> no, she, uh, you know, but I'll tell you this much. Um, she knows what's good. Yeah. Uh, and so a lot of the things, um, like when I start turning rods and I showed you that handle that I was doing where I'm marbling the epoxy yeah. and I'm like, you know, what do you think about this? And she's like, yeah, that, that sucks. Um, what I think would look better is. You got a great. Gotta, <laughs> you yep. You gotta assume. You gotta assume positive intent, <laughs> um, and just go. But the thing about it is, man, she's got a great eye, dude. Like she, she knows. Um, like that 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 picture that um, I showed you that I took in Shell Beach. Um, the first couple of ones, she's like, uh, no. And so then I would I would go back and I I start you know. Uh, tightening up the aperture and you start getting a sunburst and you start getting, you know, the reflection on the water is a little bit clearer. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've really started using like ISO is really just kind of a speedometer. Like I just take it out of play altogether. I don't fool with it. If I don't have to, I'll leave it right. all the way down. And if I can get the look I'm looking for by playing with shutter speed or aperture, then, good. you know, yeah. right on. Yeah. And so, but I only learned that because she was like, eh, what do you mean? We've, uh, we've had our, our fair share of yeah. arguments of like, I love you, but this video is not good. But, <laughs> well, do you, uh, what, so what can't, what's your, what's your setup for, and I'm assuming your setup for stills is the same. Yeah, that, for video. that is. I mean, we kind of pride ourselves in, uh, we call it guerrilla warfare, right? I mean, if you're doing yep. big productions, we're competing with companies that have, you know, $50,000 cameras and double that lenses. And the great thing about our our, yeah. our niche is that 
when you're on a 17 foot skiff in the middle of the saltwater, you can't, it's an even playing field. Like we're all using the same platforms. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it does provide, cause I can't afford mm-hmm. a $50,000 camera, but I am shooting on, I just have two Sony a seven threes, which honestly now they're, they are $1,500 cameras. I mean, that's totally affordable. Great, great, great oh, yeah. low light camera. I mean, they get the job done and it's a very, very small platform that to be honest, none of this, none of what we do is about the equipment or the shots. It is mm-hmm. all story-based. And that is the most challenging part that I think yep. separates people like the best from the guys that just get good looking shots is we are after good stories. Everything that we do needs to have a personality or a story to be told that is impactful, not just a regular old story, but something that is moving that stirs some sort of emotion, whether that's anger or, or joy, or just a sense of awe for creation. Like everything that we do needs to have that story, Mm -hmm. that driving factor of not just trying to get a cool shot for the Instagram, because there's enough people doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think the reason that we're so aligned on story is because our life is a story. I mean, and and finding out where we fit in that story, that is, that is the essence of recapturing your masculine heart and adopting your place in the story. I mean, like you think about it, why does every movie, every great movie have uh, a villain or a bad guy, right? Um, It's, it's because, your story does absolutely (laughs) you know i mean why did you look at the movies the stories that that guys like like gladiator and 300 and and braveheart and you know you go on and on um why do we like those type of stories it's because that's that's the story that we're in if we're honest with ourselves that that's the story that we're all in um, the story of redemption and, and battle for the heart and, uh, you know, salvation and like that is our story. And so that is why I love like lately on the podcast, I've had a lot of creators that, man, I look at their work and it just stirs some type of emotion. Um, and that's what it should do. That's, that's, that's what it should do. That's what you're just touching on. And I think the people that are, that have really got it dialed in guys like you guys, like Matt Carey, guys like John, uh, John Brooker. And I mean, you know, uh, you know, guys like hipster woodsman and they, they just have, they have a way of making you feel what they felt when they saw it before they snapped the shutter. Mm. I, th- yeah. I think that's it. No, that's if not if that's not it, it sounds it sounds really great. good. But I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. <laughs> I, and man, and honestly, there's sometimes where we put the camera down and enjoy moments on the water because sometimes you do get lost in it. And we got a job to do when we're on these yeah. shoots for different clients and whatever else. But there are sometimes like mm-hmm. we just did a. Uh, a pretty large, a large trip, and there will be a film coming out for for it. Um, we 
basically dropped a, a skiff at the border of Texas and Mexico and ran the entire uh, coastal system up to uh, Louisiana, Sabine Pass. But there was a couple times in that where, man, like, like I was by myself with redfish. I caught a redfish, and I was just like, I'm just going to let this one go. No shots of it. It was just a moment. The sun is setting. It's just like, that was for me. I have those moments too. That's just, just for you. Don't take it for the Instagram. Just base yourself and realize why you're out there. And it's not for the followers and likes because it's not it. But be passionate about what you what you love and things will come. Things will come. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what can you tell us about either – who you're working with, what's because I know they've got some really, really exciting things that are coming that we got to kind of keep them under wraps for right now, and that's fine. Um, but talk about what you can talk about. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, before we do that, um, talk about going oh, yeah. native, um, your, your business and kind of what you're striving to do and some of the content that you're working on or that you have worked on or what's coming up, whatever you can talk yeah, about. Yeah. Um, so going native is our media production company, man. We right now we are focused on client work and telling different stories within client work. Um, but I don't think that's, that's not our long-term business plan or future um, to keep it as short as we can. I mean, our ultimate mission and goal is to take over the outdoor industry for Christ again. And our, our 10, 20 year outlook on plan and how to do this. And this is just our plan now. I know things will change, but we want to use clubs like revelation outdoors to bring up candidates for different outdoor companies that they need an accountant, they need engineers, they need salesmen and different positions, but use Revelation Outdoors to provide opportunities to those people and those those kids in those clubs to go into these outdoor companies and infiltrate, if you will. And before you know it, we've, we have connections with all these different outdoor companies and they're like, hey, and they reach out to us and say, hey, we need an accountant. Do you know anybody? And it's like, yeah, we've got 20 different colleges all across the country that that all have accountants there that would love to come work for you and for an outdoor company. And some of my background, I worked for a company called Ross Enable Reels uh, back in the day as an engineer for them. And I just remember them telling me like, man, we have a real shortage of talented people that are passionate about fly fishing that come work for you. And I remember thinking, I was like, I know 20 guys that I could get you, get them here tomorrow and they would show up with enthusiasm and do great work for you. And I remember thinking, I was like, what if there was a way that we could provide that opportunity to where guys like me, we don't have to go to some business career fair at college. Instead, we go to Revelation Outdoors career fair where we get companies like Sitka or Duck Camp or Ross Reels and get them to show up and say, hey, we have an engineering accountant position we're wanting to hire them. And these guys get to hire people that love the outdoors and are passionate about it and are going to do a great job because of that. But on our end, we also know that they're great candidates because they love Christ and they get qualified through these clubs. And our hope is to be able to create a network of people. We push Christ loving, passionate individuals who love the outdoors into these outdoor companies. And before you know it, 
we've taken over outdoor industry. And it's a bold plan. It's, it is out there, but that's where we're at. And that's our long-term goal. That's awesome. <laughs> Yet something else that I never saw coming. <laughs> no. And so, I mean, right now we're in the process of, yeah, we have the A&M, Texas A&M club, but we are in the process of planting another club at Auburn right now with some of our good friends. Mm-hmm. And man, if I could see it years from now, we have, you know, 40 different clubs across the nation and a lot of great candidates to infiltrate and give them opportunities to pursue careers in the outdoor industry. And I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what you guys, what, what you and Chase and those guys did at A&M, it's just awesome. <laughs> just awesome. And to take it, to take it to a place where, hey, man, we want to help you get plugged in with careers that you can approach and enter with passion. Um, man, I can tell you, if you just love what you do, I know it's cliche, but you'll never work yeah, again. And you'll be good at it. You'll never have to work again. Yeah, and you'll be good at it. Yeah, yeah. that's right. I completely agree. What, um, what, uh, what is on the radar that you can talk about for – going native what's coming up yeah i mean basically what i'll say about it is it is going to be a four-year project all public land it's going to be a public land uh celebration if you will and we are going to be working with people all across the nation guys like joey and uh, other people alike and it's going to be a huge undertaking but filming it all telling people stories and working to it's it's a grassroots film movement if if you will it's not there's not gonna be anything fancy mm-hmm. about it it's gonna be gritty hardcore awesome there's not gonna be there's not gonna be any 400 inch elk that are bought in it it's gonna be you know we're gonna right. be shooting raghorns on public land and that's that's okay because man that's what we we love public land and we love doing stuff that everybody has the opportunity opportunity to go do and that's kind of, it's going to be a culmination of bow hunting, fly fishing, upland bird hunting. I mean, you name it and we're going to be doing it and it's a, it's going to be a big undertaking for sure. Well, if, if, if I'm involved in that and you're following me, I can guarantee you there's going to be some boot leather burned and some ducks being shot that's what i'm talking about (laughs) you can show me the ropes on the duck hunting thing Uh, did i tell you uh i'm in the process right now of training my border collie to retrieve ducks hey dude as long as you don't have to do it i don't care (laughs) what 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 started it is is chase made some comment when i first got her it's like she's like oh what kind of dog did you get border collie he goes well what does she do and we were like on the way to the duck blind at the time when he said it and he doesn't even know it why why i'm doing it but that's why he's gonna listen to this and now know but it's stu- for whatever reason it's stuck with oh, me oh yeah in this duck season i'm going hunting with him she's gonna retrieve i just need to retrieve one duck that's it <laughs> any look anything that your dog can do to outdo him and to just like <laughs> shut him down i'm a hundred percent i love it love you too chase I'm a hundred, hundred percent. Oh, dude, I love him to death. But 
you know, hey man, it, you know, you step in it, bro. You got to be ready to, <laughs> to step out of it yeah, too. Absolutely. Uh, um, so how long you been married now? Year and a half. Year and a half, and and loved every wow. second of it. And it just gets deeper and deeper. And man, I, I don't know. Going into it, a lot of people are kind of negative about it. Like, well, once you get married, you can't go fish and you can't go do this. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, whatever. You guys, you don't know us. And my wife is absolutely wonderful. Yeah. I mean, she truly appreciates me for me and knows that I need that alone time because that's. I mean, I'm very introverted and need to be yeah give me an hour on a creek and i'm good like i'm good for the next week (laughs) and well me me and miss leslie have been married we're going on our 30th year now and uh i feel exactly the same way that you just said you felt after 30 years man um and it's because our relationship is not based on her fulfilling needs that I have or me fulfilling needs that, that she has. Like we're, we, our, the, the center of our relationship is Christ. And man, like when you get your fulfillment from him, like, I'm not just saying we float around the house and don't even recognize that the other one's there. And I'm not saying that we don't get into arguments or, you know, we, we do, but um, they're just, we don't argue a lot anymore. Um, and it's because it's just, it's really not that important. Um, you know, we, we are very, very secure in our relationships with him and, like, I got to tell you, man, I've got three daughters, 22, 20, and 16. And I I think I say this on every podcast, but my greatest joy is that I know for a fact that all three of them love the Lord with their entire heart. Um, now, do they act like it all the time? No. Do I act like it all the time? No. Um, but like... I know that they are secure in their relationship with him. And like when, when they, they know that they turn to him for strength and fulfillment and validation. Um, like they don't, they don't need me yeah. for that. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. Um, you'll have kids one day, man, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a, it's a great thing, man. Knowing that your kids are wired right. I mean, what do you think? uh, It's wonderful. Contributes to that, that success, if you will. I mean, do you, do you and your wife have set aside prayer time for your kids where you're constantly pouring into them? Do you think that that's what it takes? Oh yeah. Well, it, that's where it starts, but it kind of, um, for them, they all, all three of them had to realize that, you know, it's not, don't do this because you know, it's what your mother and I want. Like exactly what you started saying at the beginning of the podcast. Um, they have to own their own faith. They have to make it theirs. Um, 
And they have to be able to stand on their own two feet. And when somebody says, why do you believe? They can give an answer. Like Peter says, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. They can do that. I don't have to say a word. They, they, they can stand on their own two feet and point to how they know that they have eternal life because of Christ. They are strengthened because of Christ. Um, they can answer that question on their own and they've had to. Um, and I think that's a big problem with, and I'm not saying that, you know, when you talk to my, well, you know, I grew up in the church and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I also think that there comes, there comes a time in like when you were in ninth grade, it, it hit you. There comes a time where you got to make a choice to make that your own or to turn away. And sadly, um, I think there's a lot of young people that just turn away and, uh, I hate to go back to it, but I think it's because, um, the church, the um, organization of the church has done a really, really poor job of saying, you know what you don't need is church. What you need is to be able to clearly define your identity in Christ. And we can't do that for you. We can help answer questions, but just showing up on here on Sunday yeah. doesn't do it. And I think there's a lot of there's a lot of churches that knew if they put that message out, then there might be some seats empty next week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and man, again, I I don't um, I don't want it to sound like I'm bashing the church or someone's worship or you know my my definition of religion is man's futile attempt at pleasing God through any means other than faith alone and Christ alone. <laughs> That's, that's, you know, you can do all of these things, all these good works and all these, you know, random acts of kindness, and you can be in church every Sunday and, and be at fellowship dinner every Wednesday and be in Sunday school does not mean that you're a Christian. And, you know, the other side of that, because you don't see me there on a Sunday or a Wednesday or in a Sunday school does not mean that I'm not a Christian. Yeah. Right. I mean, James says faith without works yeah. is dead, right? And a lot of people use that to say, you see, if you, if, if, if you don't have works, then your faith is dead. Yeah, your faith is dead. It does not say your faith is missing. You go in your truck tonight and hit the key and it doesn't start, your battery is dead. It's still there. It's just not <laughs> profitable, right? It, it's not serving a function. What James is talking about in his gospel is not how you justify how you are justified um, in the eyes of God, because God knows that already. Um, James's point in his gospel is how you are justified to your fellow man. He says, show me your faith without your works. You can't, right? Because I can't look at you and tell if you're saved, and I'll show you my faith through my works. He's talking about how you justify yourself to your fellow man. And how do you do? I can't look at Cole's heart and know, um, know whether he has a relationship with Christ. I can look at how he acts and I can listen to how I can listen to his testimony. Um, and I can look at his works and go, yeah, 
yeah, dude's on fire for him. On fire. Um, but without works, you can't do that. There's a lot of people that'll twist that around and go, see, you got to have works or your faith is dead. And that means you're going to hell. Uh, right. Yeah. No, completely agree. Not what it's, but it is good to look at people, the fruit um, that people bear. To... Oh yeah. Yeah. We're, um, I've got to put together, uh, cause I'm leading study on Sunday and we're in John 15 In John 15. I just love, cause it's all about Jesus talking about, um, you know, you're the branch, I'm the vine. You, you can't, if you don't produce, if, it, if you abide in me and don't produce fruit, you, you know, the husbandman, God, um, he, he, he takes you out. Um, but if you produce fruit, then he, he, he prunes the, he prunes that, that branch so that it grows more fruit. And once again, I mean, being pruned back, being, uh, chastise or going through that sanctification process that growth process where you're uncomfortable um that's when you start Mm -hmm. to bear fruit because that's when you're really reliant upon the true vine jesus um to do those works through you to produce that fruit and we're going to go into galatians like 5 22 where paul talks about the works of the flesh are all these negative things but the fruit singular fruit all nine of the fruits of the spirit when you have all nine of those right um and so what happens when we don't well i do i have joy today no i'm having a terrible day well then maybe you need to take a look at your fellowship with jesus and see where you move to because he didn't move you did um when you start to see those fruits that are kind of not really being as productive as they were when you were in fellowship guess what's happened you're you're out of fellowship and you're not producing the spirit of the fruit of the spirit um and so we're we're going through that um this sunday so that's what i'm working through now man i love it though yeah i love it absolutely we have been at this for two hours now been fun believe believe it what um did we not touch on something that we wanted to, I, I feel like we covered a lot, but we may have missed something. Anything uh, that we missed? Man, something that I think, because thinking back on this whole podcast, I mean, it's been, I mean, we have obviously both of us are very, very passionate about our faith and, and mm-hmm. where we're at. And I think that can be overwhelming, intimidating, a little bit crazy sounding to certain listeners, but I would like to just kind of take a step back and just encourage people just to take the first step because it it is really important. And once again, we're, we're, we're throwing out all the cliches right now, but they, they're cliches for a reason because they're, they are important and take a first step of the, use your mustard seed of faith the mustard seed of faith and what God can do and grow that into is really incredible. And your best life is in Mm -hmm. Christ and Mm. taking that first step to just, just give a little piece of your heart to God and say, like, I'll give you this Lord. I'll give you that. And for most, I'm assuming most people listening to this podcast are 
passionate outdoorsman. Otherwise, I don't, I don't, I don't know why you would mm-hmm. be here. But something that we like to call it, like the inner wild within us, our, our whole world is is pushing us like, how, how can we make our lives more comfortable? How can I get a bigger home, a nicer car, best air conditioner? Like everything is pushing us towards this life of comfort. And it's like this dreary sleep. And it's like, it's not living. It's not living. It's okay to be uncomfortable. Right. It's okay if your social status goes down because you have a smaller house and you choose to drive a, a crappy truck because you would rather spend your money on things that change, uh, things that matter, or spend your time on things that you think are important. I would say, if you are looking to increase your faith and and develop your faith, go focus on doing things that make you uncomfortable, because the devil puts this lot has put this lie in our head that everything that is comfortable is good. It's good to be comfortable. Comfort, the more comfortable you are, the more that means you've been very successful. And I don't want to, I don't want to turn seventy and look back on my comfortable life where I didn't take risks and I didn't pursue the things that I'm passionate about. Because there are really, really important lessons that you learn through hardship, and learn to enjoy that hardship. It's really important and. I have not had a hard life. I'm not coming from a place where I grew up through poverty or anything like that. And, but I say this because I have seen the other side of it. I've been very tired. I've lived paycheck to paycheck now. And to contrast both sides, like every time that I am truly, truly on fire for the Lord is when I am very uncomfortable and I stop relying on myself. And I just hear this lesson of this, of, God told me this the other day. It's like, how many times do I have to put you through something to keep getting your attention? Like, why do I have to keep putting you through crap in order to get your attention? Why can't I have your attention all the time? Imagine what I can do if I had your attention all the time. Even when things are great and the the jobs are coming and your marriage is wonderful and thriving, like stop being lulled to sleep and comfort and instead always focus on me Dig into your inner wild and be a passionate person and don't take a minute for granted. Run after the Lord and be passionate about it and just watch the results. And our generation does not write things down. Writing things down has helped thing, helped me so much on just being able to look back and remember God's faithfulness and to document the success that God has brought. Not me, but that God has brought. It's so important that we remember where God has brought us from. I, like I read the Israelites wandering through the desert, and I'm thinking, like, how can they turn away from God so quickly? Like, what the heck is that? And then I look back at my own life, and it's like, holy smokes, I turn away from God every week. I do it every week. And I'm mm-hmm. sitting here judging the Israelites for, for making a gold calf and praising him. But I'm sure there are cases in my life that I've done the exact same thing. And God puts yeah. you through crap for a reason. Enjoy those hardships. Enjoy them and learn to persevere. It's kind of my what I was hoping to kind of touch on on part of this podcast. Well, uh, I think in the Navy we called it embrace the suck. Yeah, embrace the suck. Um, I love that saying. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, uh, dude, I can't, I can't top that. I got nothing. Um, that, that is exactly what I was trying, like the times where I was just at the end of everything that I can do to make a situation work. Um, those are the times, like, as I look back, those, those are the ones that really defined who I was and who I am now. Yeah. Um, and those, and I, those are my favorite times as I look back, because those are the times where I was totally reliant upon God showing up and doing what he said he would do. Um, it's like, uh, I'll close with this. My middle daughter, um, she's 20 now, but she was, when she was an itty bitty, right. She would eat cereal at night before she went to bed, like in her little pajamas, right? Um, she's going to cringe when she hears this. But uh, she used to climb up on the, the countertop uh, to get her bowl down to where she could put her cereal in it. And she's very, very independent. I mean, very, very. Um, I'm proud of her for it. Um, but she, and I would always tell her, like, I'll let me, I'll get it for you. Let me, I can do it, dad. I can do it. I know you can do it. Just let me help you. Uh, and one night she kind of lost her balance, dropped the bowl, bowl hit the floor, went in no fewer than five gazillion <laughs> trillion pieces. Um, and I said, you know, I, I don't know why you struggle so much with letting me help you, but I'm here to help you if you will let me do it. And right after I said it, I said, that is exactly what God says has to be saying to me over and over again. Hmm. Like if you will, he doesn't want to deliver us from hardships. He wants to walk through those hardships with us to show us what kind of partner um, and and father we have in him. Uh, I didn't want her to not have cereal. Yeah. I didn't want her to not get her own bowl and pour cereal. Uh I wanted to help her through that. And like I said, man, as soon as I said it, I'm like, yep, that's exactly what I think God says to me when I try to just, you know, power my way through a day that just sucks or, you know, a situation where it's like, it's, it's just so frustrating. Um, God does not want us to not go through those things. He wants us to not go through those things without yeah. him. I believe that. Um, Me too. And so, man, you laid down some you laid down some wisdom tonight, bro. I got to tell you, um, I, I just I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on, spending so much time, just opening up, <clears throat> opening up your heart, kind of sharing your story. It's just some intimate things in your story that I know is going to touch, you know, guys out there when they hear it. Um, it's been a blessing to me, and I know it's going to be a blessing to everybody that hears it. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate you coming on. Oh, man, it's been my pleasure. It really has. And it's been a long time coming, like I said, man. And, and, and yeah. honestly, I'm just humbled to be where I'm at and be able to talk to guys like you because it is important. Well, real quick before we break, uh, give us your Instagram handle so that we can send folks yeah, over Yeah, you there. can find us at, at Going Native. It's a going underscore native. 
nice mm-hmm. and simple. And then same with our YouTube is just going native too. I, I love your stuff, man. I'm just going to well, appreciate you know, that. that. <laughs> we have a good time. I, I really do. Yeah. And, and you guys go check it out. Um, Cole Rickerson, have a good night, brother. Love you like crazy. And I really appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate on it. Here. Thanks, Joey. You bet, brother. And with that, our conversation with Cole Rickerson has come to a close. I told you guys, like, no, nah, I just, I love talking. I don't talk to Cole nearly enough. I'm going to change that. Um, he just has a way of pouring in to my life. That's just, uh, it's just so good, man. And so I know that we're going to share, I know we're going to share the deck of a boat and I know that we're going to share some time in the duck blind or leaning against a tree. And I can't wait for that, uh, that to happen going under, uh, going underscore native on Instagram, going underscore on YouTube. You guys, please go check them out. Give them a like, give them a follow. Um, it will definitely be worth your time. Um, that's all for tonight. If you guys want to support the podcast, uh, you know, we got merch, t-shirts, hats, mugs, uh, our men's eight week Bible study, all for sale on the website, revelationoutdoors.com, where we are a registered 501 C three. If you want to donate and help support the podcast, because guess what? This is not, it's not free. So, um, you guys want to help any little bit certainly helps and it's a tax deductible donation. Um, again, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, We will have another episode out really, really soon. But until then, bye, y'all.